TomDispatch.com. This is TomCast. Interviews and insight from Tom Dispatch contributors for anyone seeking a deeper understanding of our post-9-11 world and a clear sense of how our global imperial system actually works. I'm Timothy McBain. Recently, I had the pleasure of speaking again with Barbara Ehrenreich, a Tom Dispatch regular and author of the celebrated glimpse into working-class American life titled Nickel and Dimed on Not Getting By in America. Barbara and I talked about her latest project to fund investigative journalism focused on poverty in the United States and the financial reality of being part of our nation's working poor. The Economic Hardship Reporting Project is something I actually started. We have um, a mission of raising money to support innovative, surprising, cutting-edge journalism about poverty and economic hardship. And we're particularly focusing on funding writers, though it could be other kinds of journalists too, who are having a, a hard time themselves economically. You know, it's been very hard for writers to make a living. Uh, and so we're addressing that problem as well as the problem for what we want coverage of. And where, where are you getting the funding? Who, who is helping out? We've uh, got some money from some foundations, uh, a few anonymous donations, and we hope to get a lot more because it's kind of fun to be able to uh, dream up great story ideas with writers and give them the money to do it because otherwise they wouldn't really be paid. And where are people going to be able to access this reporting? We use all sorts of outlets, whatever seems good. A lot of Internet outlets. There are some paper and print outlets we are in touch with, but it depends on the story. Going to your article for Tom Dispatch, one example you bring up regarding economic punishments, the poor face, is the issue of fines issued by local government for things like traffic violations. It seems the more money you have, the less you end up paying in the end. You know, somebody who can hire a lawyer to plea down a speeding ticket to a non-moving violation, for example, is better off than someone who can't afford to hire a lawyer and ends up with inflated insurance rates, which... If they stop paying their insurance, of course, they get pulled over, and then they have to pay more. Can you talk a little bit more about that kind of system? It sort of falls below the radar of most people who take an interest in policies that have to do with poverty. It's not something that there are national statistics on, unless some enterprising scholar goes out and pulls a few together now and then. And that is how much is extracted, although I use that nice neutral term, extracted, from people who are really poor for fees and fines for minor uh, violations of the law. And the interesting and alarming thing is that those fees and fines have been going up steeply since the economic downturn because local governments are desperate to get um, money. And so they will take it from, you know, the, the poorest person, the person who has a, a broken brake light. And then they're hit with a fine for a couple hundred dollars. They can't pay that fine all at once. So they have to um, pay additional fees and penalties for not paying it on time. And these things add up and become another force impoverishing people. It seems to me that some of these these methods are in a way a little self-defeating from the, from the government standpoint because they're essentially charging people for not having enough money and then some of the repercussions like losing their driver's license just ensures that they won't be able to make the money to pay the fines. I mean, what is the rationale behind that? 
No, I, I one of the one of the things that kind of shocked me into my interest in this, in fact, was finding out that a uh, a relative who um, had fallen into arrears on child support payments, which is easy enough to do, you know, if you're earning ten, twelve dollars an hour, you know, if you're not making much, he fell into arrears, and then he told me with great alarm that they would take his driver's license away. I said that's not possible. Because then how could you ever earn the money to pay your bad child support? And I checked it out. Almost all states do that as a punishment for failing to pay child support or paying it on time. Now, everybody should pay child support, but we have to recognize that most of the people who are in arrears are indigent. That makes no sense to try to keep, you know, uh, collecting from them. Or here's one that I think is talk about self-defeating. Apparently more and more jails, and I say just apparently because, again, there are no national statistics, but, we, you know, the stories keep popping up, of county jails in particular that are charging room and board to inmates. So, you know, an inmate comes out for whatever violation, and then he, he or she is there for in the first place for, uh, but without money, of course, because they won't have been earning any money. And then they're hit with a charge that might be $60 a day, might be over 100 for their uh, stay in the jail. Now, where is that going to come from? Well, you know, what do you do? Put the person back in jail and start the clock running again on how much they owe? It makes no sense. You mentioned at the end of your article some propositions to remedy some of these challenges that the working poor face. Could you talk a little bit about what you think would be useful first steps and also some long-term goals? Well, this I'm not really writing about long-term goals here. I think there is so much up-in-the-air discussion of, well, what could we do about poverty in this country? How could we generate better jobs and so on and so forth? I'm asking the people look at what's happening right now, that money is being extracted or stolen, I would say, from people who are already in poverty, both by the private sector and the public sector all the time. You know, the, the, one of the biggest sources of loss to low-wage people is through wage theft. The employer just doesn't pay you for all the hours you, uh, you've worked. And the estimate of, you know, one of our best uh, investigative people on that subject, uh, Kim Bobo, is that that amounts to $105 billion a year stolen from low-wage people. So how can we on talking about, oh, what programs would be good for poor people, what would we do, et cetera, while this theft is going on right in front of our faces? And how do they get away with that? The wage theft? Mm-hmm. No, who's enforcing? You would have to have a lot of Department of Labor inspectors and investigators. You would have to have the will to do that. And I wonder about the will to do it because Miami recently passed a local law against wage theft. Now, you would hardly think that would be necessary, right? Theft is theft. So they pass a local law, and now the state legislature, which is very Republican, is pushing toward a bill that would prevent other municipalities from ever passing any laws uh, against wage theft. (laughs) What does that tell us? Do you have any examples of people other than yourself, you know, who are working to try to improve the situation and um, try to make these initial changes that need to be made to protect workers? 
Well, yes, I, I think it's not front and center of a lot of policy discussions, but um, it, you know it should be. It's, it's uh, there, there are groups like the National Employment Law Project, NELP, in Washington, which really leads the way on things like wage theft. There's also uh, groups, and I, I can't rattle them off to you, that take a special interest in all the the credit schemes and extraordinary rates of interest that are imposed on poor people, you know, representing another kind of extraction specifically from the poor. To read Barbara Ehrenreich's article, Praying on the Poor, How Government and Corporations Use the Poor as Piggy Banks, please visit TomDispatch.com. You can also find Barbara's book, Nickel and Dimed, at Amazon.com or at any quality bookstore near you. I'm Timothy McBain, and until we meet again, thanks for listening.